So that's the kind of thing I, I would say, just there's so much to do. Don't pack it all in. Just make, you know, prioritize what you really want to do. Uh, you'll have an amazing time. But every cruise I'm on, I know inevitably there's something I wanted to do that I am not going to be able to do. And you're just going to have to live with that. If you try and do everything, you'll probably make yourself miserable just running from place to place. And you'll probably end up missing out on the things that you really wanted to do. everybody this week's bonus episode of the dcl duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel and we got a little bit of a fun show today no guests at least directly we've got a guest over email i'm gonna call it we've got a little dcl 101 first time cruiser set of questions that came in over email and rather than just respond to chris who sent these in or christopher who sent these in we wanted to respond on the air so that everyone could benefit from the answers to these questions because we get a lot of first time cruiser questions and we realize our show over time has evolved. And as we talk to people, we don't always stop to explain everything or do all the tips and tricks. We've got a few episodes in the back catalog that are more DCL 101. And we are going to be looking to refresh those and hopefully even do a little YouTube version of them uh, over the course of the next year now that sailing is kind of stabilized and we don't expect a ton of changes to process and onboard offerings over the course of the next year as we did through COVID. But for today's show, we're going to dive into some listener questions. So all of these questions are coming from Christopher, who provided us some background. He told us we're booked on the Thanksgiving Magic Cruise, as are we, as Sam and I are. Our travel party will be two adults and two kids, nine and six. Sarah at My Path Unwinding, our show sponsor, shout out to Sarah, who's a travel agent with My Path Unwinding, has answered a bunch of questions for us and research has answered others, but here are the more specific ones that we have for y'all. So Chris's first question is, what is the sequence of things I need to do pre cruise. Well, Christopher, there's a few things you need to do pre-cruise. So first thing you need to do is book your onboard activities, adult dining, all of that stuff. That will occur at your booking window, which is determined by your castaway club status, or if you're sailing in concierge by your concierge status. So concierge booking window opens at 130 days pre-cruise. Concierge guests send an email to Shoreside Concierge with their booking requests. That is midnight, 130 days out. Those requests are then fulfilled over the next 10 days or so and get loaded up into the app at 120 days when Platinum Booking opens. That's how it is currently. We don't know if that will change slightly after May 1st because of the Pearl Booking tier coming in. We don't know, for instance, you'll be able to log in at the Pearl Booking tier and see your request fulfilled. Pearl Booking opens up at 123 days pre-sailing. Platinum Booking opens up at 120 days pre-sailing. The Gold Booking window opens up at 105 days out, silver at 90 days, and first-time cruisers at 75 days. Again, that is at midnight on the 75th day. So you have to count back the 75 days and then figure out when midnight is. That is midnight Eastern time as well. So for those of us on the West Coast, we have to do it at 9 p.m. our time, uh, basically. At your booking window, you'll be able to book things like spa treatments, adult dining, shore excursions, 
any ticketed events on board or any events that require a ticket, drink tastings, and just some other activities and, and onboard fun. This is also when you'd book like a cabana at Castaway or book the rental experience at Castaway for bikes and kayaks and all that stuff. You get a little bit of a discount. If you want to book the photo package, it's a good time to do it because you get a little bit of a discount on the photo package if you book pre-cruise. They have on at least the Wish started selling rainforest room passes, although those have not been available at the opening booking window. They seem to have come online later. So watch for those as well. After you complete your activity booking window, your next really major milestone is just your online check-in. By the way, this all assumes that you have paid in full ahead of your booking window. And so to clarify, you do need to be paid in full before you can book onboard activities. For sailings between one and five nights, Disney requires full payment 90 days before your sale date. For cruises six nights or longer, Disney requires full payment 120 days before your sale date. And currently there's a little bit of mixed feedback on the concierge side because their booking window for Shoreside actually, when they send the email in, is at 130 days. And so some of the Shoreside concierge folks are relaying that you actually need to be paid in full at the time you send in the booking request. So at the 130 day mark, we're also hearing some mixed feedback from the Shoreside concierge over seven night sailings or longer may require pay in full at 150 days. Our travel agent has relayed that to us. Uh, So best thing to do is to make sure you read the fine print on your booking confirmation for the final payment date. That final payment date will be the last available date for you to pay. And I always recommend and Disney does enforce uh, pay in full before you can book your cruise activities. So if you have platinum status, it's best to be paid in full before that platinum window opens so that you don't hit any snags trying to book your activities and then miss out on something that you want. So then at 30 days, your online check-in opens up again, midnight Eastern time. This is when you'll want to have all of your documents ready to upload to Disney. So things you're going to need, what's your proof of citizenship that you're taking on board, make sure you have a nice high quality photo of those documents for each member of your sailing party because you'll need to submit those online. So passport, whatever it is you're going to use, have a nice high quality photo of that for each guest in your party. You're also going to need a selfie photo to upload for security. So make sure you have a nice selfie photo of each member of your party ready to go in one place that you can upload. I highly recommend checking in online through the app on the phone. It seems to be a better overall experience of late than checking in on your desktop or laptop through the web. That said, your mileage may vary and there have been some recent issues with the app. So you might want to have two computers up and running to do this. I recommend you have all the photos saved in one place for easy and quick upload. You're also going to need to potentially pull some information off of them if the computer can't recognize it. You're going to want to have your flight numbers available, your arrival and departure times. If you're heading to a Disney hotel before or after, they're going to ask you about that stuff. So just have everything available in one place for that 30-day check-in. 30-day check-in is also when you are going to get your port arrival time. So the faster you get through check-in, the reason people get online at midnight is because they want to get good port arrival time. So the faster you get through your online check-in, the better chance you have at a really good port arrival time. Port arrival times generally start around 11 a.m. and then they proceed, you know, through up through 2 to 30 or as late as you need to get there before the ship embarks. If you can get an early port arrival time, you can get on the ship first, which means you get more of that first day to experience the ship and have fun on board rather than showing up later and waiting at the Port Canaveral terminal. Disney was strictly enforcing port arrival times. They have not been doing that of late. So uh, I think if you show up anytime 
around your port arrival time or early of your port arrival time, they're still going to let you in. We learned on this last cruise, parking garage at Port Canaveral opens at 10 a.m. So if you are there ahead of 10 a.m., uh, you will not be able to park. And actually, it may have been 10, 15 a.m. Uh, I can't remember. But sometime between 10 and 10, 15 is when they open the parking garage. So don't get there too early if you are driving a car. If you're taking Disney transportation, just align your expectations to whatever they tell you to do. One more tip on the online check-in that I wanted to mention was just if you are concierge, if you're sailing concierge, you don't need to be up at midnight. Uh, Concierge sailors automatically get the first boarding group and the best port arrival time. So uh, you can wait until the morning after when the IT system has calmed down and do your check-in with a cup of coffee in your hand as opposed to waiting until midnight. There are just two small things I want to add to the pre-booking stuff that Brian mentioned. One is for the wish, uh, you can book Olaf's Royal Picnic at your booking window. And for the other ships, you can book the Royal Princess Tea at that booking window, meaning the one where you're booking excursions. However, the Royal Gathering on all of the ships, which is just a princess meet and greet photo opportunity, that actually right now is opening at the 30-day check-in time. So that's something everyone basically can book at the exact same time. Last thing I want to say about port arrival times is that your port arrival time is not correspond to your boarding group for the ship. So even if you have a really good port arrival time, you may not have the world's greatest boarding group when you get there. Normally, however, cast members will kind of bump you up in the boarding process because it goes fairly quickly. So just just know your boarding group may not align to your port arrival time. Next thing you need to do pre-cruise is do things like have all of your documents assembled and ready to take with you before you leave. Print out that port arrival form. It will have a barcode on it that they will want to scan throughout the process. And at 8 a.m. the morning of your cruise line departure, expect an email from Disney Cruise Line with an attached health questionnaire that you need to complete before you arrive at the port. If you don't complete it before you arrive, you can complete it at the port, but it will just slow things down. I think we're going to be releasing an episode later this week where we discuss having backup plans for the various documents and QR codes you need to have. So make sure you have a paper copy with you in addition to having it on your phone. I like to have a paper copy photo of the port arrival form on my phone and then the cruise line app handy. You can also, if you have an iPhone, you can put your boarding pass in your Apple wallet. All right. I think that that should handle all the stuff you need to worry about pre-cruise with the cruise line. Next question is, what dining stuff to request, rotation and the like? What can you ask for? What should you ask for? All right, I'll start on this one. Well, first of all, the most important thing when you book your cruise is requesting either main dining or late dining. So main dining is typically at about 545. Late dining is typically at about 815. This can vary by about 15 minutes in either direction on, on all the different ships. But that's the basics of what you need to request. And I say need to is if you don't request, you will just get put into whatever has the least number of people signed up for. And that likely will be late dining. Uh, Generally speaking, it is easier to switch to late dining than it is to switch to main dining because most families with younger kids do prefer early dining. I will say for us, we prefer late dining, particularly if we happen to be sailing on the East Coast, because otherwise early dining is super early for us. So your question about dining rotation and what should you be asking for? 
It really depends. I think if you're on a seven night cruise like this magic one over Thanksgiving, it means you're going to get every restaurant twice plus a bonus restaurant. And so you can request a dining rotation that has perhaps what you think will be the most fun restaurant to go to. Now, the now the bonus restaurant on the cruise will be for pirate night. So if you get a rotation that has animators palette in it three times, you're guaranteed one of those animators palette nights will be the pirate night. That's going to be your extra night in that restaurant. The other thing to consider is if that's the extra night in the restaurant, you're going to want to know if you're going to pirate night or not. Uh, we don't particularly love the pirate night menu, although we do enjoy the fireworks of pirate night, but we usually use pirate night as a night to go to Palo, for instance, on the Magic or Remy on one of the other ships or Enchante. So if you can figure out where pirate night might land for your sailing, request a dining rotation with the restaurant, you know, the, the, the restaurant that you're going to three times, then book your adult dining on that night if you want to try to do adult dining. To request a dining rotation or a favorite server on board, you should either call Disney Cruise Line directly uh, to get that taken care of. Or if you happen to be sailing concierge, you can email Shoreside. You can even include these requests in your Shoreside email, your initial email at 130 days if you're sailing concierge. And last thing I want to say on dining is if you do happen to be sailing concierge, which Christopher, I think you may be based on one of your upcoming questions, you can always ask Shoreside what night they will have the special deck party or pirate night. So you can figure out what rotation you want to do from there. They will also, frankly, share the dining rotations with you as well, and you can pick the one that you prefer. All right, next question is, what are the best places to get info on excursions? What do I need to plan? Let me answer the last question first. What you need to plan is you need to figure out what your preference of shore excursions is ahead of your online check-in. If you are a first-time cruiser, the pickings may be slimmer than if you're a platinum cruiser. And if, and if you're concierge, you will want to know what you want to request when you send your email in. So to do that, you should head over to the Disney Cruise Line website if you're interested in the Disney Cruise Line provided shore excursions. They have a guide for each port available on the website. You can also look at them by by essentially sailing regions. So for instance, this cruise would be the Mexican Riviera cruises or Mexico. You can look at each port and see what excursions Disney has offered at that port. With the caveat, not everything that shows up on that list will be available on your sailing necessarily. So get an idea of what you want to do, but have at least one or two backups in case the excursion you're most interested in is not offered on the sailing. If you're okay booking a non-Disney excursion, which many people are, many, many websites where you can go and look at available excursions one that we would highly recommend is TripAdvisor. We've had great luck finding really great tours and excursions, at least in Europe, using TripAdvisor. I don't know if the resources are as good for places like the Mexican Riviera or the Caribbean, but we've had really good experience with TripAdvisor and you can actually buy tickets for some of the tours and excursions directly through their website. If you're going to go beyond that, I would say when it comes to cruise line shore excursion websites, pay very close attention to the fine print because some of those websites will offer guarantee return to ship, which is essentially what you're getting from Disney when you book with them directly, meaning if for whatever reason something goes wrong on the shore excursion and you're running behind, Disney will make sure to reunite you with the ship. In fact, in most cases, it's going to be a busload of people. So they're going to hold the ship at port until that bus gets back and make sure that you get on. If you're with a private tour provider uh, and they're running behind, they have no sway over the cruise line ship. And that ship is going to leave on time because it's fined for every minute it stays behind in port. And so you will want to see if there's a tour provider who offers a guarantee 
guaranteed reuniting you with the ship, meaning that they will fly you. In some cases, they can just boat you to the next island because they're so close. But see if you can get a guarantee that they will return you to the ship. If not, make sure you are booking excursions that leave you plenty of time to get back to the ship uh, in case there are delays. Because we have been on some private excursions where there's been some traffic delays and it's a nail biter. um, And that's just that can really ruin a vacation. So one tip I'll give for Disney Cruise Line excursions, if you are not a platinum cruiser, make sure, well, in particular, if you're not a platinum cruiser, make sure to join the Facebook group for your sailing. And you can ask when the platinum booking window opens, you can ask in the group if anyone is willing to take some screenshots of their app to show you what excursions are being offered at your particular ports. And that way you can sort of narrow down your search of excursions if you're planning on booking through Disney Cruise Line. All right, next up, what should we be packing, especially things we might not think about? For this one, I'm going to point you to our website, actually. We have a blog post up with, uh, I think it's like five things, it might even be seven things, of items that we have come to pack over time for our Disney cruise. Now, that said, don't let anyone tell you there's something you have to pack because everyone overpacks for cruises. I constantly bring a Tervis cup with me on a cruise and I never end up using it, but I have it just in case. Uh, But it's that kind of stuff where people are going to say those items you must have. I would say think about how your family vacations, the conveniences you want to have on board. I will highlight a few things that people sort of universally say are great things to pack. So one is a Tervis or a cup of some sort for each member of your family because the free soda on the pool deck, they issue you something slightly bigger than a Dixie cup for that. And you can fill your own Tervis or Nalgene bottle, whatever it is you like to drink out of with the soda. So you don't have to keep going back to the soda station over and over and over and over again. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo so they know we sent you their way. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for sponsoring the show. And with that, back to our episode. The other thing that people like to pack uh, are hooks. Now, these hooks don't work the same in all of the staterooms, and you're going to want to get the hooks that are have the neodyne magnets in them that are super, super strong. But if you bring some hooks, you can put them on the stateroom walls usually. It depends on concierge, non-concierge, and which ship you're on and how many coats of paint they've put on the door and that kind of stuff. But you can generally hang these up in the stateroom and then use them for hanging lanyards, or if they're strong enough, I can hang a light backpack on a hook. You know, that's sort of thing or coats or hats, whatever it is. They just provide a little added hanging storage to the stateroom for quick access items like that. And just to clarify, when I say hooks here, I mean magnetic hooks. So there are hooks with magnets on the back that will stick to metallic walls. You cannot bring on board hooks that actually physically stick to the walls. Disney doesn't allow anything to adhere 
two surfaces in the stateroom. And so if you bring those on, your room attendant will probably remove them. So magnetic hooks are okay because they can be easily removed. Uh, Another item that I really like to pack is a USB kind of multi-hub charger. So this is just something that plugs into an outlet in the stateroom, but has multiple USB-A or USB-C or both plugs on the front. Disney Cruise Line will not allow you to bring surge protectors or travel surge protectors into the stateroom to turn one outlet into many, but they will allow you to bring these USB charging hubs into the stateroom. And they are a great way to make sure you have enough space to charge all of your devices. Sam, any must-haves for you? I like to bring a laundry basket with me because I'm crazy and I do laundry on vacation. Um, I like to bring as many pairs of Mickey ears as seems reasonable to pack on a vacation because I like to wear them for pictures. If you want to dress up for pirate night, for sure, bring a pirate costume. It is You will not be the only one wearing pirate garb for pirate night. I like to dress up a little bit for dinner, so I do bring some slightly nicer clothes. Uh, sunscreen, that's a really important one. If you are going to any you know warm climate like this Thanksgiving cruise to the Mexican Riviera, you definitely want to pack sunscreen. Uh, you can buy some on board, but it is quite expensive. The other thing I would say is any medications that you might need, not just like your essential daily medications, but things that you are common to need like Benadryl, Dramamine, those sort of things. Yeah. One last thing I'll highlight is door magnets. So it's really popular on Disney Cruise Line to decorate your door. Many, many stores over on Etsy sell door magnets for the doors on the Disney ships with fun characters, scenes, whatever it is. Uh, The pro tip that we usually give is really read the fine print at the Etsy store and figure out if they're just printing out paper, laminating it and slapping some sticky magnets on the back, or if they are printing directly onto like magnet paper so that the entire backing is a magnet. We prefer the latter. They hold up better, stick to the doors better in our experience. And um, yeah, just they just work really well. So that's our packing tips. There's plenty of other packing lists out there for Disney Cruise Line. People trying to tell you all of the essentials that you'll need. And sometimes they're great ideas. Sometimes they're ideas we've tried and we have not really loved them. So plenty of lists out there, including our own. All right, next question. Do I really need a jacket for Palo, brunch, and dinner? No. Disney Cruise Line has modified their dress code for both Palo, Remy, and now Enchante to make it a bit more casual. And so jackets are no longer required for men at any of the restaurants. Really what they want you to wear are nice shoes, not sneakers, pants, preferably not jeans. Although I will tell you, I have a pair of like khaki colored, blue colored, not denim color, but blue colored jeans that I've worn many times and have not had anyone say anything to me. They look more like pants. Uh, And then I wear just like a button-up shirt or their short sleeve shirt. You can do a polo shirt at brunch, just not like a t-shirt. That's sort of what they're trying to avoid. So can be more casual. You don't need a coat and tie. There are will be people who are dressed up in coats and ties or may even be people in tuxes on formal night. But Disney Cruise Line has a very relaxed policy in terms of dress codes and what people should, what people need to wear on board now. So uh, no jacket required for Palo. All right, next question. Seasickness meds, prep for that. That's that's Sam 100% of the time. If you are somebody who has never gotten seasick in your life, I would say probably you don't need to prep in any way, shape or form. If you want, bring some Dramamine with you, but odds are you probably won't need it. If you 
uh, they, you can also get seasickness meds on board. You can get Bonine from the health center or from guest services for free. So if you are feeling a little seasick on board, you can get them. Um, also in the shops on board, they are now selling, I believe, both blisslets and C-bands, both of which are acupressure bands. I prefer blisslets, but they, they work for some. They're not a cure-all. Obviously, if you get really seasick, that's probably not going to be enough. I will say if you're somebody who has suffered from motion sickness previously, or seasickness previously, I would recommend going to your doctor and getting a prescription for the patch the seasickness patch. Uh, we were on our recent cruise, we actually did have several days that were quite rocky and I was using the patch and I was completely fine with that. So um, yeah, that would be my my tip. But honestly, if you're not someone who gets motion sick, I would not really worry about it. Yeah. And I should say Blisslets is a former show sponsor. They uh, they were our show sponsor for our bonus shows for about uh, three to six months uh, a while back now. So we do have an affiliate code if you want to pre-order Blisslets to have them in advance of your cruise or kind of a more stylish version of C-bands. I know Sam liked them when she has tried them out and they are fitted. So you have to fit them for yourselves. But if you head to our Facebook group, we have a affiliate code you can find as a pinned post at the top of our Facebook group and just helps out the show if you use that affiliate code. All right. Next question. What's the deal on photo packages? How does, how does it compare to the parks? The photo package you can pre-buy in advance of your cruise is basically an unlimited photo package. So anytime you get a photo taken by one of the photo pass photographers on board the cruise line, it will get associated to your stateroom and you will have access to it while on board and after the cruise for about a month. But it's unlimited, the one that you buy pre-cruise. On board, you'll be able to buy the unlimited, but it's more expensive. You get a discount or a slight discount if you pre-purchase it. You can also then on board, if you're not like huge picture takers, if you don't think you're going to have a ton of photos you want to buy, you can buy like a 20 or a 10 photo package where you pick your 10 or 20 favorites and they will make those available to you online and you can download them uh, either your last night of the cruise or when you get home. The photographers on board have gotten really good in the last six to eight months. So Disney switched from a third-party contract service over to Disney PhotoPass photographers. And I will say those PhotoPass photographers have been working hard on photos. Um, If you were sailing to Castaway Key, for instance, you might find them out in the water in the ocean waiting around with their cameras trying to get really great action shots, which is something that the old photographers did not really do all that much of. That said, most of the PhotoPass opportunities are going to be at dinner. They'll come around and take photos of everyone in your party at the table and you know, small groups at the table. They will have backdrops set up in the atrium for both dinner seatings, multiple backdrops, multiple photo pass photographers. They will be at some, not all, but some of the character meet and greets around the ship. They don't always show up and sometimes it's just cell phone photo taking. They've also started doing photos on the top deck in front of different kind of scenes and also with characters. So it's mostly character photos, dinner photos, or backdrop photos that they do. They do have a photo session that you can book uh, in their studio on the ship. I will say we have universally heard that that is way overpriced and it doesn't really sound like they give you a lot of information about how much it's going to cost in advance and then they take a bunch of pictures and it's like total sticker shock. So don't recommend that. I think if you're family, it takes a ton of photos and you know you're going to want a ton of photos, then pre-purchasing the photo package is the way to go. If you're unsure, I think it's fine to wait until you get on board. Just know maybe a better deal at that point to get like the 20 photo package and pick your favorites uh, and get them electronically. Two things 
things I'll add. One is there are magic shots on board, meaning uh, where they put characters into your photos. And the other thing I will mention is that when you are booking the unlimited photo package prior to cruising through the app, it does not matter what day you select the photo package to be on. They are all the same. Uh, It will be a photo package for the entire cruise. It's just weird the way they have it on the app. You have to actually book it on a particular day of your cruise. All right, next question. With concierge, straight to the pool or the lunch? Well, Chris, if you are sailing concierge, I think Sam would tell you to head straight for the concierge sit-down lunch, especially on the magic and the wonder. And that's for a tactical reason. At the concierge sit-down lunch on the magic class ships, the concierge hosts actually come around to each table and they have a list of your activities. They're going to ask you if there's anything that you didn't book that you wanted to book, anything you need to change, all that sort of stuff. So it's a great opportunity if you've been, you know, got a running list of things that you need to cancel, rebook, move, something you you wanted to book but it wasn't available online for booking, you can ask at that point. They do tend to hold some inventory back across the board for adult dining. We've heard they even hold a couple of cabanas back at times, uh, but they hold some stuff back for concierge and they can also do a little bit of uh, pixie dust magic. So the sit down lunch is a great time to meet your concierge host and get that stuff taken care of. We also find that cabanas on both the magic class ships, well, basically across the board, cabanas or its equivalent on the wish, super, super crowded for lunch on embarkation day, whereas the sit down lunch for concierge is much, much quieter. You asked about the pool. Well, I think it's also if you're just, you know, you're not feeling it, you're not, your family's not hungry, you can always talk to the concierge host up in the concierge lounge and they can do the same kind of stuff that they would have done at lunch. It'll just be coming a little later and know that some of the inventory may be gone at that point. Uh, but if you want to head straight to the pool, you can. Pool deck will be crowded as more and more people show up, but it is also a great opportunity on embarkation day to do the water slide or ride. Now on the magic, that is the aqua dunk. Uh, it will have lines throughout the sailing, but on first day, if you're dressed and ready to go, you can, and they open open it, depending on when they open it, you can get right through and get on the slide usually pretty quickly and just knock it off the list if it's something you wanted to try. So either way is fine. Uh, We just try to avoid cabanas. Um, We did it a lot as our go-to on our early sailings. And for us, it's just gotten too crowded and too hectic. Now that said, we did go to Marceline Market for lunch on our embarkation day on the Wish. Uh, And you know, I wouldn't put it past us to go to cabanas on a future embarkation occasionally, uh, but we do prefer the sit-down lunch. And for those of you not sailing concierge, they do a sit-down lunch on board for everyone. It's just the concierge lunch is separate from the other dining room and the other dining room can fill up for the sit-down lunch. So on the Wish, I know the sit-down lunch for non-concierge filled up and they were just sending people up to cabanas. So if you're on early, you can get into that one. All right. Next question. Fish extenders, good idea or nah? What would we bring? Do nice handmade things count? Sam, you are the fish extender expert now that you are moderating some of our cruise groups. What do you say? I would say no. Um, I'm not saying fish extenders are bad. There's nothing wrong with fish extenders, um, which are gift exchanges for those of you who don't know. They are really fun to participate in, but especially for your first cruise, I think it's quite overwhelming and you are trying to just figure out like what to pack and then you've got to basically pack an entire other suitcase with your gift exchange stuff. So I would say for your first cruise, skip it. 
And then maybe keep an eye on the Facebook group that you're in for that cruise and kind of see what other people give. Um, A lot of people give um, personalized things like cups or even blankets, or um, sometimes you'll see lots of little um, like ornaments or other types of uh, cruise line tchotchkes. But honestly, I just think it's a little too much for your first cruise to do fish extender. I think that we didn't start doing it until maybe was like our second or third cruise. And I will say I don't do it anymore. What I do like to engage in is called pixie dusting, which is just random gifting to people instead of organized gifting. And that that's sort of when I've I've got something that I think, you know, somebody would really like and I just leave it in their fish extender or on their fish uh, as a just a surprise. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just caveat what Sam said. Like, I agree with her assessment. I will say, though, if you're really interested in it, go out and read about it. There's plenty of articles online. Information out there will vary. There are some people who like love to set minimum amounts of money that people have to spend on fish extender gifts. There's also different kinds of fish extenders. There's beer, craft beer exchanges, magnet exchanges, ornament exchanges, recipe exchanges. So you know, if there's some specialty thing that you really wanted to trade on board, you could sign up for one of those specialty groups. Homemade gifts are fine. Most of what you get out of a fish extender is homemade at some some level. Some people buy, you know, like more like dollar store kind of stuff to give out on board or to make little, you know, gift packets for people. So lots of different ways to do the fish extender. Uh, I do just tend to agree with Sam though. It's a lot for your first cruise to have to coordinate and figure out and then haul on board with you. And then you get all this stuff and you have to haul it home or make decisions on board about what you're going to keep versus not. So it can be a little much for your first sailing. Next question, two bottles of wine a person do kids count? I'm going to answer that real fast. It's really simple. You get two bottles of wine or one six pack of beer per adult over 21 in the stateroom. And you can bring those on at each port. So at Port Canaveral, if you have two adults, you can bring four bottles of wine, two bottles of wine, a six pack, two six packs of beer onto the ship at Port Canaveral. If you drink through that in your next stop, I think on this cruise, I think the first one is Mazatlan. When you get off at Mazatlan, you can go to the, you know, the liquor store in town, the convenience store in town and buy another six pack of beer or two bottles of wine per adult and bring it on. So you can bring it on at each port, but that's your maximum. Uh, Kids under the age of 21 don't count for purposes of bringing on beer or wine. And the last caveat I'll give is hard liquor, even if bought as a souvenir in port, it can be brought on the ship as a souvenir. Just know it will be confiscated at security and held until the end of the cruise. So you can buy that bottle of rum in the Caribbean, but as soon as you get back on board, they're going to take it from you, tag it, hold it, and give it back to you at the end, or you will have to go someplace to pick it up more likely. So that's the deal. The official Disney Cruise Line documentation on this can be found in their Q&A online. All right. We got three questions left, and these are broad questions. So Christopher sent across three broad questions. First question, what's something you know now that you wish you'd have known about before? Food, packing, activities, other. Oh, this is a really hard one. I will say food-wise, if you are going to miss dinner meaning main dining. Currently, there's not a lot of food options available. You're going to be, the only place you're going to be eating is on the pool deck or room service. And the pool deck is going to have limited offerings after about 6 p.m. 
So if you're going to miss main dining, I would say generally you're planning on either pizza from the pool deck or you're going to be ordering room service. So that's one thing I probably wish I knew um, that has changed a little bit. You used to be able to get uh, a sit down meal in cabanas for dinner, but that's no longer available. Something I'd wish I'd known about before we got on our first cruises was actually the sit down lunch option because I enjoyed cabanas, but it's just really, really crowded. And if you get on like after the first hour, like it's hard to find seats or tables to sit down and actually enjoy your meal. So I think that sit down lunch on board is really underrated on the first day. It has some really good stuff on the menu. It'll Those menu items are only available first day lunch. It has a really great Oreo cheesecake dessert that I know Sam loves. It's only available on that first day. So I think not having known about that first day lunch sooner, uh, I wish I'd known about it because I thought it's, I think it's a really nice way to just start your cruise, relax a little bit. If you're in concierge in the sit down lunch, you get a free, you get free beer and wine at sit down lunch or champagne. So it's also a little nice way to start your cruise with a free drink. So that's something I wish I'd known about. All right. Next question. What's a mistake you made that you don't make anymore? I wish I could claim that I no longer overpack, but that is just not true. That said, I have cut back a lot on items that I bring on board that someone convinced me at some point in time, this would be the best item to have on your cruise, like towel clips. Uh, We used to bring towel clips all the time. I actually think those are great. I, I actually like using them, but they take up room in the luggage. And so we've really tried to pare back the essentials that we bring on board for us. And I would just encourage people, don't get sucked into buying every little thing to bring on the cruise and just know thyself and pack only that which you will truly, truly use. If you don't really use towel clips when you go to the beach or the pool, there's not a ton of reason to start using them on Disney Cruise Line, in my opinion. So Sam. My biggest piece of advice I give to folks is this. Do not try and do everything. Pick like the, I don't know, maybe top three or four things that you definitely want to do for onboard activities. For me, that's typically the shows. I want to see each of the shows once, right? So I make that a priority. And so even if there's something else that I kind of want to do that's maybe you know, an hour, half hour before the show, I realize I just can't do that because in order to guarantee I actually get a seat in the theater, I need to be at the theater about 30 to 40 minutes before the show starts. So that's the kind of thing I I would say, just there's so much to do. Don't pack it all in. Just make, you know, prioritize what you really want to do. Uh, You'll have an amazing time. But every cruise I'm on, I know inevitably there's something I wanted to do that I I'm not going to be able to do. And you're just going to have to live with that. If you try and do everything, you'll probably make yourself miserable just running from place to place. And you'll probably end up missing out on the things that you really wanted to do. Yeah, I don't think I have any different advice from that. I think that is the best advice that I would give as well. And now Sam and I sort of, and this bleeds in, I think, to the last question Christopher sent, which is, what's something you always do now that you may not have done before? I'm going to answer this question and the prior one the same thing. Like we decide like two to three things, maybe four on a seven night sailing, maybe one thing each on a three night sailing. Like we, we'd sort of say, what's the things that we have to do on this sailing? And then we make sure to prioritize doing those things and we don't get distracted by, oh, but we could go do this or we could go do this. Like we have some free time and we go play trivia. That's fine. But it also means if I don't get to play trivia because I'd rather sit by the pool, I'm going to do that. So we pick a couple of items that we just we have to do. A D23 presentation at sea, a particular show that we have to see. 
And if we pick that show and we miss the other shows or one of us misses the other shows, we're not super upset about it, right? So I'd say just kind of pick your battles on the cruise line as Sam suggested. I don't know, Sam, is there anything else that you do now all the time that um, you didn't do before? Yeah, divide and conquer. There are, uh, we like to say a cruise is a choose your own adventure type experience. You don't have to do everything all together. And so there are times where I want to do something but Brian and Nathan don't want to do something, do that same thing. Or Brian wants to do something and Nathan and I don't want to do that same thing. We don't ha- feel like we have to do everything together. We are going to all eat dinner together. We're probably all going to have breakfast and lunch together. Um, but there are other things that we are probably going to do separately. And one of them, for example, is the shows. Most of the time I go to the shows by myself. Occasionally, Brian will join me. Occasionally, Nathan will join me. But I'm okay if they don't join me because it's something I really want to do. So I think you just got to be okay with that. You know, of course, with younger kids, somebody's got to be with the kids or they've got to be at the kids club. But it's pretty easy to do on Disney Cruise Line because they're, like I said, just so much to do. All right, Christopher, I hope that answers all of your questions. And uh, for anyone else out there, if you're sailing, you're a first timer, if you have questions, feel free to send them in. We love doing these kinds of shows and sharing the feedback with all of our listeners. And if you're an experienced cruiser and you feel like, oh, there's some big tip we missed, well, best place, join us in our Facebook group and we can start a thread on all of those tips and tricks. And then everyone can benefit from that feedback or you can shoot us an email. We'll try to include it in an upcoming show as well. So with that, Christopher, thanks for writing in. Thanks for sending these great questions. And Uh, We hope this has been helpful and thanks so much for listening. Thanks. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. <laughs>